Let's pray for each other. Father, we ask you this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak with us, would bring us closer into a relationship with you so we might reflect the glory of God and the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Who's had their lives transformed? Oh, who is a transformer? Jesus. Jesus. Now, my grandson, who's a bit older now, he had a thing called transformers, and you had to sort of get this car and transform it into some sort of robot. I could never do it, because I sort of did it all wrong. He could do it in seconds. Now, God doesn't transform us like that. He transforms us from the inside out. So God within us comes out into our lives through the Holy Spirit. I want us just to think a moment before we read some scripture about how we have our lives transformed. We're talking about the long game. We're being empowered. And if you have your life transformed by Jesus Christ, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has entered into you and has come there to give you the power to live for Christ. Now this long game is our whole life's work with the Lord Jesus Christ. I found Jesus when I was 12 years old, away on a campsite in Anglesey in North Wales. It was cold, it was dark, but there I heard a message telling me that I was a sheep that was lost and I was loved by Jesus. And something clicked in me and I said, yes, say yes to Jesus. Now, I can't say that I suddenly changed into a, transformed into a wonderful preacher, Sunday school teacher, youth leader, uh, church leader, whatever. I was only 12 years old. I had something to learn and experience. But I feel that God has transformed me through my life. And guess what? I haven't got there yet. <laughs> so don't think as we talk today that, Oh, my word, Terry's talking about transformation and power. I don't feel that. You will when you walk with Jesus in this long game, in this walk of discipleship with him. Now, saying that, I had another experience in my life where I was totally transformed. You know, I didn't go to the beauty shop, have Botox or anything like that. I knew somebody this week stuck two needles in me, in both arms. Could you believe that? Nurse Trisha. <laughs> now I've got to walk around like this. This is the COVID arm. And this is the flu arm. Anyway, I'm here to tell the tale. I talk about transformation. I remember Trisha. Oh, look at her now. A super nurse. Super nurse. Anyway, I spent 28 years of my uh, life from when I left school 
um, working on, on, uh, with newspapers. I was uh, working for the Evening Post of West Valley Press, first of all here in Western, and then I got a wonderful managerial job in Bristol, and that was in my downfall, I think. Anyway, <laughs> we won't go into that. Um, but I spent those years, and then I had a new boss. And I said, oh, hello, that's pink. And he said, no, it's not, Terry, it's black. And we fell out big time. I'd been there 28 years, he'd been there 28 minutes. But <laughs> and eventually, I didn't want to leave because, you know, I knew the job and, uh, and what have you. But I decided I would leave. And I found another job. I saw this advert. Um, in the paper, in fact, and they said, train managers required. And I thought, well, I think I could do that job, you know. I can manage a train, go there, go here, whatever. <laughs> so I went to the interview. <laughs> I went to the interview, and I sat there, and he asked me a few questions about, you know, what I'm doing and that sort of stuff. And he said, you do know that this train manager job is actually a guard job on the high-speed trains? And I said, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but but uh, I managed to get through the interview, and they could see that I was brilliant in everything. <laughs> but I managed to get through, and I thought, right, great, tomorrow, I'm going to get on this high-speed train, I'm going to be in charge of it. Oh, no, it didn't work like that. I had to be transformed into somebody who did sales and distribution for a living, into somebody who was concerned with safety and revenue and tickets. So I had to have six months training, uh, and I had to learn all about the various ticket arrangements. I had to know what every sing signal meant. I had to know every station in the area which I was working. I had to know every crossroads on the rails and every junction. It took a long time. I was 50 then, and <laughs> the brain isn't quite so good at 50, Will. And, uh, <laughs> But eventually, I came to that day where I passed out. We had a whole, whole exam, and uh, I passed. And I was allowed now to go out by myself with this 125-mile-hour train with up to 600 people on it and a few standing, and uh, go off to wherever the train wanted to go. I was in charge. I had to press the buzzer to tell the driver when to go and when to stop. I had to keep people informed. And it was such a transformation in my life. I wish I did it earlier because I really enjoyed it. Didn't enjoy some of the football hooligans. <laughs> but there we go. It was an experience. But we all come to those points in our lives where we have been transformed for whatever reason. And this morning we're looking in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 about a 
transformation and an empowerment that Paul speaks about. He's right into the church in Corinth. And if we turn to, we'll just read a few verses, chapter 3, verse 12. It says this, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is a spirit. So Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and I think if my memory serves you right, in Corinth there was some um, what they called Judaizers, Jews who are coming to say, you can't go on like this, you've got to keep the law, you've got to obey things, you can't just whew, know Jesus and know God like that, there are ways to go. So Paul talks about Moses, Paul talks about Moses, and he says, Moses had a veiled face and an unveiled face. Now that, I think, is a bit like us. We have a veiled face sometimes. When we meet with people, we put this veil up and we say, you know, when we have an opportunity to say, yeah, I go to church, I believe in Jesus Christ, this veil comes over there and we don't say anything. Other times the veil's off and we say yes to Jesus. But Moses had been up onto the mountain with God. He'd been leading the children of Israel and they'd pledged their allegiance to God. And Moses was called up onto the mountain to receive God's word, to receive uh, directions in which the people of Israel should go, laws that they should take on board to be his people. Now, <laughs> this wasn't the first time that Moses was up on the mountain. When you got time when you get home, have a look at Exodus uh, 33. And uh, it tells us that Moses had already been up on the, mo the mountain and met with God, and God himself had written his law onto the tablets of stone. And he'd given to Moses to take back to the people which he did. He went come down the mountain. Uh, he, it was about 40 days he was up the mountain with God. It was a lot of law. <laughs> and, uh, and he's coming down the mountain and what he was receiving, how that the children of Israel should live. What had happened to them? They were there singing and dancing around a golden calf. <laughs> Isn't that a bit like us? <laughs> you know? 
We come and we worship God and we go out and we see something and think, oh, yeah, quite like that. And we take that in to be that golden calf, that idol for us. And uh, Moses was so, oh, he was angry and he threw the, threw the tablets down and they broke. So he goes up again. He goes up to the mountain again and in, uh, where are we? Uh, 34... 29, it says this, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses' face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him, but Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. He had to put a veil over his face. The radiance was so bright, it scared people. It scared people. How did he get this radiance? Well, up on the mountain time, he communed with God. He had a relationship with God where God passed by and he's allowed to look at his, um, uh, I could say rear, <laughs> the back, no, that's wrong, back as well. Um, anyway, allowed to look at some part of God which wasn't his face and, uh, and God spoke with him. And now Moses had to chisel out two more stone tablets and Moses had to chisel out the, the law again. So when he came down, he was actually glowing with this radiance. Did you look in the mirror this morning? No? <laughs> Some of you are frightened to look into the mirror. Paul says later on that, uh, those verses of Corinthians, he says... We, with all unveiled faces, reflect God's glory. So when we look in that mirror in the morning, what are we seeing? We're reflecting, and we should be seeing God's glory. How do you get God's glory? By spending time with him. By speaking with him, praying with him, to be worshipping him, and to being with him. I looked in the mirror this morning, it wasn't a pretty sight. <laughs> but I have seen people that um, ooh, a few years ago now, they've come and they spoke and people remarked that they could see sort of a light all around them. I saw that as well. I think it was something of God's glory that was shining out through that person. But Moses had to put this veil over his face because the radiance which meeting with God which came upon him was fading, was fading. And even as God was giving Moses these laws, these Ten Commandments and other laws, that radiance was fading. And so was the Old Covenant. You know, you've got to obey the law if you need to come close to God. People couldn't do it. No matter how many animals they sacrifice, 
No matter how many times we come to church, no matter how many times we smile sweetly at people, we can't do it by ourselves. So Moses put this veil over so the children of Israel couldn't see the fading glory of God. It's topped up when, when Moses met with God in the tabernacle and he took off the veil. But eventually that radiance faded away. Now the radiance that you and I have doesn't, uh, doesn't compare to the old covenant because we're in a new covenant, the age of grace. We have been forgiven and transformed from the inside. Amen. And that radiance is within us. It's here forever. The, the law was, the old covenant, the law was a pointer to Jesus. It was a step to glory. But Jesus is the summit of the glory. There's nothing more to come. Jesus is everything. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you another comforter to be with you, to help you, to empower you, to speak to the nations. And in Acts, we see that this comforter came. And it was the Holy Spirit. Amen. And there they were in the upper room, may have been the 12 disciples, or 11 and 120, I'm not sure. But there they were. And what were they doing? They were worshipping, praising God. They were getting close to God, and the Holy Spirit came on them. And God's Holy Spirit came within them. And they had a radiance within them that was never to be taken away. Never to fade and God said, be my witnesses. Now, some of you here might not know Jesus. It says in our passage there this morning, Corinthians, he says that the Jews, when the Old Covenant is read or the Old Testament is read, their mind is blank. It is dull. They cannot see God at work in Jesus. They cannot see it. Before I tell you more about that, I found a verse yesterday that I'd never seen before. It was in the Bible all the time, but I can't remember ever reading it before. I'm going to read it to you because I think it's, uh, I think it's a wonderful verse. Now, it's in Exodus chapter 33, and verse, um, sorry, verse 6, and Moses is up on the mountain, he says, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, re rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the father to the third and fourth generation. What a great verse that tells us about God. And God reveals himself to Moses. That he is a forgiving God, a loving God, a compassionate God who forgives sins and rebellion. But he also says that, you know, 
There is punishment for those who don't. But I want to say to you this morning that if you've never seen, you've never met with the Lord Jesus Christ and your work of transformation has not started yet, let's pray to God. Pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus to you today. Another verse I found in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, it says this. Because it's not just the, uh, the Jews that have this uh, veil, this not understanding who God is, but it is us as well. Verse 4 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Now, if you've never seen Jesus, the God of this age has blinded you. How can you see again? You can see again by saying, show me, Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit. Lift this veil, lift this uh, blindness from me so I might see Jesus. Now, it took me many sermons and talks before I finally accepted Jesus. It wasn't just like oh, I, go to, I go to the boys' camp and suddenly find Jesus. I'd heard all about Jesus. And we make all sorts of excuses. My family's not religious. Jesus is a fairy tale. Oh no, it changed my life too much. All those sorts of things that we uh, make excuses for. But Jesus wants to come into our lives and transform it from glory to glory. And we have these unveiled faces that shines forth the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God, it says, brings freedom. What freedom have you? You're not under the law, you're under grace. You're forgiven already for what you're going to do wrong tomorrow. And you are going to do something wrong. I do all the time. But the Spirit of the Lord gives freedom. Freedom to do what? Freedom to live and to work for God. You might not get it right all the time. But it's a freedom that you can come to and uh, use in witnessing, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, in relationship with God. Right, just look at the watch because I get, keep getting told off for going on too long. We reflect the Lord's glory. Now, I, people are very interested what this is. Proper job. <laughs> we'll, we'll chuck that down there. And here we have, in this box, your and my life. Yeah? Do you recognize yourself? You're shredded. You're shredded. And in this shredded bit, you've had all those pressures on you. You've followed your uh, friends and uh, colleagues. And it's all gone wrong for you. 
But when you come to know Jesus, when he comes to transform your life, it's gone because Jesus has entered in there. But what happens to this empty... Oh, sorry, that wrong, needs to come back this way there. What happens to this empty life, this empty thing? Well, I'll tell you what, God, in his mercy, says, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in there. We're going to put a bit of faith, a bit of love, a bit of peace and joy. Uh, want a bit of desire to uh, follow Jesus and meet with people. Uh, want to know more about Jesus. And The neighbours thought I was mad this morning. I was going around the garden collecting stones, but they expect that from me. And uh, all those things that Jesus brings into our life until we are filled with the Spirit. Do you think this is filled? No! Eric has seen this before, I could tell. Because we're not filled. And I'll show you why it's not filled, because when I do this, there's loads of room. There's loads of room. And some more room, yes. Sorry, that's off my driveway, these stones. Now, I think the Holy Spirit works like this. Yes, I believe that when we come to accept Jesus Christ, he does transform our lives. He enters into us, and he brings his Holy Spirit, and he brings something of the Holy Spirit. But often, that radiance fades a bit because we get involved in things that we shouldn't do. And God, in his mercy, says, come back to me and you'll be forgiven. And he does forgive and he pours his Holy Spirit in even more until we're full up and we need a little bit more in there. Some sand from my granddaughter's sandpit. More Holy Spirit going in there. Going in. It's hard work, isn't it? I never realized sand was so heavy till I picked up this bag this morning. There we go. And sorry about the sand. And there we go. We're now full of the Holy Spirit. There's no more that we can actually get in. Now, I think sometimes that this goes on through our life. Now, I'm not this full of the Holy Spirit, I, I confess to you. I'm getting there. It's taken me nearly 60 years to get in there, but I'm not there yet. And there's a bit more to go in, yes. <laughs> Here we go. Now, I was tempted to bring some petrol and pour it in and light it up to show the power of the Spirit, but my wife would not like that. No, 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 no. So we then, are we full of the Spirit yet? Oh, no, we've got loads more to go in there. Loads more, washing all those things down in our life until we're nearly, uh -oh, uh -oh. <laughs> until we are, in fact, full up. Hooray! Till we are full up with spirit and we can put the lid on 
and say, Amen, it's a job done. That God has filled our lives and we're now reflecting the glory of God so much so that people will run away from you when you come. They do, you say, oh, hi there. It's you from church. <laughs> it happens, doesn't it? We have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit empowers us. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us strength to follow Jesus. It's not your strength. It's not your deeds. It's not your wonderful good looks. It is the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that empowers us. Moses spent time with God in the mountain and his face shone in brilliant radiance. Look in the mirror tomorrow. What are you shining forth? The Holy Spirit and empowerment doesn't just happen on a Sunday when we're worshipping God as a, a, together as a fellowship, a congregation. Following God and letting the power, the power of the Spirit empower you is a 24-7 job. And we need to be continually filled with the Spirit. We need to continually walk in that relationship with God and have those unveiled faces which reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. We are being transformed from glory to glory. Amen. Amen. Now, I rabbit on a lot. I want, we're going to have a time of prayer, time of prayer ministry. If you've not known Jesus and you feel your life is shredded, come on up and get some prayer. If you want to know